Good morning. It's great to see you here this morning. Um, I'm excited to see so many here. I've heard there's visitors here. I'm not, I'm not the normal guy. Uh, just been here uh, trying out uh, and, and getting to know all the members here. Uh, and I, I've enjoyed the company that I've seen here and the, those who are members here who have been able to make it every night. I appreciate your diligence and willingness to come out. Uh, those who are visiting here, I appreciate your attendance. I hope you feel welcomed here. And I hope that uh, you can follow along this morning as we open up God's Word and that you find it helpful to you in your walk and in your journey as you understand more about who God is and who we are uh, in relationship to Him. Uh, Throughout this week, we've been studying and talking about the idea that God wants to have a renewed people. Uh, this, is, this has been his mission, that he wants a people for his own possession, a people who he can call his. It starts in Genesis, he wanted uh, man to be after his own image and, and to dwell with him. And then we saw in the Old Testament, he chose the descendants of Abraham, and they uh, became Israel, and they failed. And God said, I knew that was all going to happen, and I'm planning something bigger. All of this stuff was to prepare for some time when I'm going to create a people who are my own people. And, and we've, we've talked about the renewal of those people in their heart and in their mind uh, in the last two nights. And now we're going to be studying more on the idea of the renewal of our minds to worship God, which is what we're created to do. This is, this is how we are supposed to be living on this earth, the life of worship. We even talked a little bit about that this morning. The Bible class kind of worked out that we got to talk about this idea to set this up. Uh, if you want to be turning in your Bible, uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 this morning. Romans chapter 12. And, and we're not going to be jumping around. We're just going to be kind of camping out right there in Romans uh, chapter 12. And thinking about our worship. And thinking about what we ought to do in response to what God has done for us. And, and how we are to worship Him uh, with renewed minds and renewed thinking. I'd like to start out reading the first two verses. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. He says... I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." Here's a picture that Paul gives us in this wonderful letter that we read of Romans of of worship. He's pointing out to us, because of all that I've been revealing to you about the mercies of God and what God has done on your behalf to recreate you and, and to renew you and to restore you in a relationship with Him, because of all those things, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to worship like this. Uh, the mercies of God are the basis of our worship. That's, that's the foundation upon which we turn around and we offer our worship to God. He has given His Son for us that we might be forgiven of our sins. And in response to that, He desires for a people who are willing to worship Him. Well, what does it mean to, to worship in this way? What is he really talking about? Is this talking about the assembly where we come together uh, you know, once, twice, three times a week and, and gather together to sing songs and, and pray and, and things like that and hear his word? Well, that may be included in that, but notice the words that he uses in this text. He says, 
I, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Well, in the Old Testament, they would offer up sacrifices, and they were dead sacrifices, right? Uh, but we are living sacrifices. So the picture is that in our worship to God, we put ourselves on the altar, and the knife comes down, and then we get off the altar, and we go to the next altar. And this is our worship, and this is the way that, that we serve God. We are living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or your reasonable service in response to God's mercy. And then in verse 2 he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The idea is, this is a picture of the living sacrifice's life. I don't physically have a knife come down on me every day. <laughs> that would be bad. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I let myself go through pain and suffering in this life by not being conformed to this world. Uh, by not giving in to the temptations and the desires of those around me. By not uh, acting the way that I see everyone else acting. Acting, I recognize that it's, it's wrong, that it's different than what God would want me to be, and I'm okay with standing out and being different from those who are around me, those who are in darkness and those who do not understand who God is. And instead of being conformed to the world, I'm transformed. But notice how he says we're transformed. By the renewal of your mind, so that by testing you may discern or prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The picture here for us is a transformed life that starts with a different mindset, a different way of thinking about everyone around us, a different way to th of thinking about ourselves. And, and as we go through Romans 12, which we're going to do half of it tonight and the other half, or half of it this morning and the other half tonight, we're going to see, as Paul explains this a little bit better, what a renewed mind looks like. Uh, how do I need to think about myself, is what we're going to look at this morning. And then, how do we need to think about others? This is very, very important for God's people, that they are paying attention to how they think, that they don't just go numb to the, the things that we see everyone else thinking about, we just kind of follow along, but that we think differently than everyone else. So how can I do this? How can I think about myself? Well, notice what he says in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. How do we think about ourselves? What are, we, what are we thinking whenever we think about ourselves? Isn't this interesting that he goes into this and talks about the renewed mind and how the renewed mind is supposed to think of, of, the, of their self and the way that they think about themselves? Well, is this an important question for us? Don't we typically just say, well, yeah, Christians aren't supposed to think about themselves. <laughs> 
You know, I'm not supposed to think about myself. I'm supposed to think about others. And that's true. And, and what we see in the world a lot today is people who are always thinking about themselves. And, some, and we want to reject that. We don't want to be self-focused and narcissistic and it's all about me. But how do we really need to think about ourselves? What does God really want us to think? How, how should we evaluate ourselves? Who am I? What, what am I really like? Uh, and that's, that's what he tells us. He says, think with sober judgment. Soberly. Think about yourself. Think realistically. Who am I? And that word sober means to think sanely. So don't think about yourself in a way that's insane. Don't think, I'm better than, you know... Mike Tyson, I can be, you know, don't think in a way I'm better than everybody else. And that's where he goes with it. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Think sanely about who you really are, what, what you're really like. Understand that. And then he tells us, instead of thinking more highly of ourselves, we need to think according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Okay, so what do these two things mean? Uh, what does it really look like to think more highly of myself than I ought to think? And, and when am I really doing that? You know, it's easy to kind of say, yeah, I don't need to be proud. <laughs> and then not really uh, notice whenever I'm actually being proud. Uh, and, it's, and, and this phrase, according to the measure of faith God has assigned, what does that even mean? Uh, let's, let's try to understand this together in our study as we continue through this. We're going to notice that Paul explains this a little bit better. Um, isn't it interesting that uh, we think about ourselves more highly than we ought to think? I mean, you look at the society around us and, and everybody does this, right? Everybody thinks a lot of themselves. We think of ourselves more than we think of anybody else. And we often tend to think more highly of ourselves than we do anybody else. And, and it's been this way throughout Scripture. You go back in the Old Testament and what do you see? You see nations being judged. Why? Because they're proud. Because they have pride. Uh, over and over again, the most beautiful image of that is Nebuchadnezzar, who, who's, who is told, don't, don't think that it's all from you. And then he says, okay, I won't. And a year later, he's up on his balcony and he's saying, look at what all I have accomplished. And God sends him out in the grass to go eat the grass for a little while uh, and think about things and realize that it's not from him. It's, it's God who is the one who is in control. And, and in the New Testament, we see the disciples struggling with this. These are the guys that are closest to Jesus. And what are they arguing about? Who's the greatest? <laughs> I'm the greatest. No, you, no I am. You know, and even what was read at the Lord's Supper, here's Peter saying, uh, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And then the next phrase is, you can't sacrifice yourself. Here's Peter thinking he can, he can actually tell the Messiah what to do. I mean, this is in us. This is something we do without thinking about it. We, we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. So how are the Romans thinking more highly of themselves than they ought to think? Uh, that's what we're going to be learning about as we continue in this. That we're going, to, we're going to see that they're not thinking the right way. And that they're not living in the way that the transformed mind is supposed to think. It's, it's a living sacrifice who doesn't think more highly of themselves than they ought to think. 
Um, so let's think about the Romans as we, as we continue reading. Look at verses 4 through 6. He says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Well, the picture for us of the Romans is, as Paul argues against it, that they all have gifts and some of them might view their gifts as being more highly than others. It's similar to the, the Corinthian church, right? And he's telling them, we're all uh, members of Christ's body, we all have different gifts, and this is not the way that we're supposed to think about ourselves. So, how are we supposed to avoid prideful thinking? How, how are they going to do that? Well, notice how he, he talks about the body of Christ. Each member of the body is given a gift and they are a part of the whole. Would it make sense for the hand to say, I am Christ. <laughs> I am everything. I am, I am the body. I am everything. Look at, look at all the wonderful works that I can do. Well, no, it wouldn't because the hand needs the elbow. The hand needs the shoulder. The hand needs the, the feet. The hand needs the body to function or else it's just sitting down here doing nothing, right? There's nothing that the hand can do without everything else. There is a dependency that each member of the body has on the other. But that's not all that he says. He also says in verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Notice that phrase. How do, I, how do we get our gifts? According to the grace given to us. Uh, to think soberly about ourselves. To not think more highly about ourselves. We need to understand we're just a small part of the whole body. But we also need to understand that whatever part I am, whether the hand or the elbow, or whatever part I am, I am that part because... God has given me that ability. God has given me that role. Uh, I can't think more highly of myself than I ought to think because the only reason why I'm not a pinky toe is because God decided to give me the breath and the body and the life to be whatever it is that I am. Without Him, I would not be able to do any of this. It's fascinating that even Paul views himself this way. Look at verse 3. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. Huh. So, you go up to Paul, and you say, Paul, man, I love your work. <laughs> that, that book of Romans, I spent years studying the book of Romans, and I still don't know what you mean here, here, and here. That has got to be your greatest work. Is Paul going to turn around and say, yeah, that, that, was, that was a pretty good one. I really like that word. Did you really read Ephesians though? You know, did, but, but, but look at my work. No. Paul's not going to say that. Paul considers himself, as he says in the first verse of this book, to be a slave of Christ. Paul sees his work as originating from God uh, and not from himself. And this is the way we need to be viewing ourselves. That 
that it's not about me. It's not about how great I am and, and whatever it is that I'm able to do. Maybe I'm a preacher. Well, it's not about how great an ability I have. That, that's not mine. That's God's. He gave it to me. Maybe it's the Lord's Supper. I prepare the Lord's Supper. That's not my gift. Maybe it's teaching children. Maybe it's leading singing. Maybe it's evangelizing to the lost and, and talking to people and relating to people. Whatever my gift is, that's not because of me. That's not because I've accomplished so much. And maybe I've worked hard to develop that gift. But ultimately, the source of every gift is God. Without God, we are nothing. Uh, so thinking more about myself than I ought to think is unacceptable. And this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4. He said, what do you have that you do not receive? Uh, what did you receive that... Uh, if you received it, why are you boasting as if you did not receive it? We can't, we can't act like it's, it's from us. That's not the way that the renewed mind thinks about Itself. That's not the way the transformed heart thinks about itself. Uh, you know, wherever we're at, whether we're at work or at home or at church or anytime we're talking to people and we're discussing a topic and we feel like we know a lot about that topic and we get fired up about that topic, uh, you know, we need, to, we need to take a step back and realize whatever knowledge or ability I have to understand uh, any truth in this life is because God gives me the ability to understand anything at all. Uh, it all comes from Him. He is the source of everything. And I have no cause or ground to boast. But now let's think about this other idea that was found in verse 3. He says, Not to think more highly of yourself, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Isn't this an interesting phrase for us to, to understand? According to the measure of faith that God has assigned. What does this mean? Uh, what does it mean that, that God has assigned a measure of faith? You know, is it, is it such that uh, we receive an amount of faith? Is that the way that this is, is being described to us? That, that each of us receive a certain amount of faith? Well, that doesn't really jive very well with, with the rest of Scripture, does it? Whenever we see Jesus come onto the scene, uh, He doesn't say, uh, Oh, you who have a little faith that God has given you... <laughs> Or, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. God must have really given him a bunch of it. That's not the way he talks about it. Uh, faith is something that is ours. That is something that, that we develop as we hear the Word of God. He said that in chapter 10. That faith comes by hearing the Word of God. It's something that we have in us. So it's not that it's some amount of faith. But that word measure can be translated also standard. And that, that God has given us a standard of faith. That's what He has assigned to us. And when we read verses 4 through 8, we see He describes what the standard of faith is. That verse 4, He says, For, here I'm going to describe this concept to you. This is the standard of faith. You know, it's kind of hard. We're like, well, what is the standard? What is the measure of faith God has assigned? Well, He tells us right there. Our measure is the body of Christ. We are here to be the body of Christ 
on the earth. Um, Notice how he says it in verse 5. We, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We make up the body of Christ. That's the way we need to be viewing ourselves. Another text that really helps us to solidify this idea that God has given us a standard and that we are striving toward that standard and that the standard is Christ is Ephesians 4 where he says he's given all these gifts for the, for the equipping of the saints that, that they can attain the unity of the faith to mature manhood, uh, to the knowledge of the Son of God uh, and able to attain the, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The measure is that same Greek word, metron. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the picture is that collectively as Christ's body, we are working together to accomplish Christ on the earth. To represent Jesus and and to make up for the fact that He is not physically dwelling on the earth for everyone to see. We become Christ for all to see what He's like. And, and this is what we're assigned the mission of doing on this earth as, as God's people. So this is the way we need to think about ourselves. How do we need to think about ourselves? Well, we need to think about ourselves according to this standard. Uh, but this, this is still kind of vague for us, right? Okay, I'm, the body, I'm a member of the body of Christ. What does that mean? Well, what kind of work does Jesus expect His body to do on the earth, right? The the head of the body tells the body what to do. Well, we find that in many places in Scripture. Uh, Throughout Scripture, there's there's a description. We kind of looked at it in 1 Peter on Friday night. But uh, the Old Testament text in Isaiah 61 really helps us with this. I don't think I've got it. Okay, I don't have it on here. I made a mistake. I don't have it on here, but in Isaiah... um, What did I do? I went, uh, alright, I got it. Go back. Get a little preview. There it is. Alright, in Isaiah 61, what we see is a description of what what God's going to do. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The Lord has anointed me. We see a picture of Jesus. And here's what He does. He's, He's come to earth to do. To heal and bind up the brokenhearted. To To liberate the captives. Jesus has come down to this earth to help those who are weak and suffering and struggling in this life to have hope. He's come down to this earth to to set free those who are held captive by sins in this life, to give them a reason and a motivation to get out of their sinfulness and to become oaks of righteousness is the way that he describes it. I've seen the live oaks downtown. Clay showed those to me. Uh, This is the way it's described, that we become oaks of righteousness, firmly rooted and spreading out, bearing fruit uh, for for others to, to become the same thing. And the picture he gives us in verse 4 is that they shall build up the ancient ruins. Those who are His people, those who He heals, up, heals and, and, and binds and, and helps are going to rebuild the ancient ruins. They will rise up the former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. The body of Christ on the earth was given the purpose of restoration, of renewal. God desired to have a renewed people 
who would go around bringing about further renewal and restoration. God started the process in Christ of renewing our hearts and minds to serve God that we might become lights to the world and that we might renew uh, those who are in the world. Uh, we, we went by the, the skyline in Mobile and whenever we look out, you know, it's not destroyed. Uh, all of these cities in the U.S., they're, they're not in disrepute. Well, some of them are, but most of them are in, are in good shape. But that's not what he's talking He's talking about restoring lives. He's talking about having an impact on all those around us to help them to be built up, to, to have hope, to have faith, to have a trust in God and a love for God and a love for others that they might shine as lights and proclaim the excellencies of Him who calls them out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Well, are we trying to reach this standard the standard is Christ and we see all the work that Christ expects us to do and to be and we recognize that we're members of one another and that God designed it in a certain way where uh, you know, even if we're a small part in the body, uh, we play a part. We're individually members of one another. If I'm a hand, I need my elbow to do some work. <laughs> I need every part in the body to do some work. Whatever part that is, Paul is pointing to it and saying it's a valuable part. We need to all be uh, thinking about our, our membership in the body of Christ as something that's valuable, something that needs to be used to support the work of every other member. Because without the elbow, the hand can do nothing. And the body is unable to do the rebuilding and the restoration that Christ had in mind uh, whenever He created us. So are we apathetic or lazy with our gifts? Is that, you know, do we, do we think about our, our gifts and say, well, I can't teach a class or I can't preach a sermon or, you know, I can't do this or I can't do that so my gift really isn't uh, much value in the, in the church, in the congregation, in the body. Uh, so I, I guess I just won't do anything. You know, somebody does a lot better job than me so uh, I'll just let them uh, do whatever it is that they're doing. Well, Paul says... No. <laughs> Whatever your gift, let us use them. Look at verse uh, 6 again. He says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophesying, if prophesy, prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness... Whatever the gift is. And, and notice the, the second one is service. Think about the different ways we can serve. I mean, who all needs service? Do children need service? Do the elderly need service? Do, does the leadership need service? Does the whole body need service? And, and how can I play a part in helping the body to grow and to be built up to, meet, to reach the full standard that we've been given? I need to use my gift and consider it to be a valuable piece that God has given me. Because God knows all of our abilities. He gave them to us. He's the one who has given us the ability to breathe. He's the one who's given us the ability to get up in the morning. He's the one who's given us the ability to do that job that makes plenty of money for us. 
And He's the one who gives us the abilities to build up His body to His glorification, to be Christ on the earth. So let us use them. Let us use our gifts in proportion to our faith. Uh, I don't have enough faith. I, don't have, I haven't developed my ability yet. I'm, I'm still fairly new. Okay, faith comes by hearing the Word. We need to grow your faith. We need to work and, and, and we need to have Bible studies together to help you understand who God is, what He's done for us, what we're supposed to do, how we can help out. And, and, and get everyone with that renewed way of thinking about their self. Thinking about their self, uh, realistically thinking about what can I do in the church to glorify God on the earth. Uh, we, we struggle with this. We, we struggle to think soberly, to, to accurately think about where we are. Uh, we struggle to think about ourselves because we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. And we struggle sometimes because we think too little of ourselves. Um, and, and I think on the last slide I had the parable of the talents. You think about the one talent man who, who went and hid his talent. You know, this is the way that, that we might be acting if we think too low of our ability or our gift. We might be hiding it and, and not using the gift that God has given us to serve Him. And we can't do that. And if we've got three talents, we don't need to hide that either. And if we've got five talents, we don't need to hide that. We need to be using them to God's glory. And this is the way that a sober mind, a renewed mind, thinks about itself. Because we're transformed uh, and, and we want to be a living sacrifice. We want to do whatever it is that we can do. We want to get on the altar and sacrifice ourselves to God's glory. And that may mean uh, dealing with uh, Christians who don't act like Christians. That may mean dealing with the lost who certainly don't act like Christians and, and being patient and loving toward them. Or that may be dealing with the weak and lowly who really need building up and encouragement. Uh, whatever it is, we sacrifice our time, our resources, and our efforts to serve them because Christ came to the earth to serve, not, uh, not to be served. That's not what He was about. And we can't be about that either. This is the way we worship God. It's not about coming here. Uh, we, don't, we don't see, alright, worship has been fulfilled. <laughs> when we leave this place, we're done. And now we get to get back to life uh, as it is. But we see every single day working to glorify God by being a member of Christ's body. Um, remember the basis of our worship that he said back in chapter 1. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We might, we might look at all of these things that, that we, we just heard Paul encourage us to do, to think about ourselves and, and to think about what we can do and all the work that that's going to be involved. And the sacrifice is not fun and it hurts. Why would we ever do that? Because of the mercy that He's given us. Do we fully grasp how merciful God has been to us? Whenever I was a teenager, uh, my dad bought me a 1995 Toyota Tacoma four-wheel drive. I was, I was 16 and a half. He let me drive a, an old beater and then I got that one. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. He loved it so much, he bought another Toyota Tacoma. So we kind of have matching trucks. It's really cool. Uh, 
So I'm, I'm going fishing. Uh, I, like, I like to catfish a, a lot whenever I was that age. And I'm out till 2.30 in the morning. And I'm, it's Saturday night, and I'm like, i got to go to church. You know, I, I, I hadn't been saved yet, but I've been going with a really pretty girl. And uh, so I was like, i got to get back and go to church. And they're like, no, don't do that. That's dumb. You know, wait, we'll all ride back together. It's like, no, i got to go. So I head out, and on my way, I, I close my eyes for just a second too long, run off the road, and total that really nice truck. Man, I wish I had that truck today. That was a nice truck. I total it. I have to call my dad at 3 o'clock in the morning and, and let my mom and dad know what happened and they come uh, to, get, to, to get me. Uh, my dad shows up and he says, Son, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. And that's all he said. He could have destroyed me. <laughs> I mean, it was foolish. I deserved it. But that's all he said. Son, are you okay? The longer I live, the more I realize how merciful that was to me. Uh, and I didn't really see it at the time as much as I see it now. How many times have we totaled our lives and gone to God and told Him, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And how many times is he willing to give that response? I'm glad you came back to me. Come on in. Everything's okay. As I get older, I, I, I start to think about all the sins that I've committed and, and I start to see more about the sins that I'm committing uh, every day. And I start to realize that I need the mercy of God more and more and more. Have you received that mercy? Are you willing to change your mind and your heart to worship and to serve Him as He wants to be worshipped? Uh, it's a renewal of heart and mind that's totally different than the rest of the world around us. And it's not easy. And it's, I'm not going to say, hey, come on up here and, and become a part of this family and life's going to become really easy for you and you're going to have lots of money and everything's going to go great. But it's worth it because of the relationship that we now have that is eternal. He gave His Son that we might be forgiven. That we might have that relationship with Him. He desired it so much. He worked from the beginning of time to bring about a people who love Him and who are serving Him. Uh, do you want to be a part of that? If you do and you know what you need to do, please don't wait. Please come forward as we stand and...